A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Welcome to 2020. Yes, cheers. cheers. Cab Sav today, not Pinot Noir. The Cab Sav. We did make it our New Year's resolutions to have a dry July and have obviously dry broken January. it on the... Sorry, dry January. Probably be more likely to have a dry July, but we've broken it on the 2nd. It is, yes. It's 9pm on the 2nd, so we lasted two days pretty much. I didn't. I had wine today. Mm-hmm. In um, Paris. But I think, yeah, how was Paris? Paris was really good, obviously. But it was just, ba- we basically just did like a grand eating tour for three days. But all the trains are down. So we just got kind of shafted on several levels because we we're going to get the train in. And then they've had a 30 day train strike in Paris. But all the people support so it. Ridiculous. So everyone's really chilled about it because we would just get on metros and they'd go either one stop and everyone just had to get off it's really sporadic or they just go past like nine stations and you're like oh and you were in some <laughs> random place so we had to get off and you just had to get off and the drivers would walk through and everyone was really nice to them because they support the strike uh so we end up walking 15 k's a day which burnt off all the wow myriad cheese and bread but yeah it was really nice very low-key new year's same yeah new year's is extremely overrated as a party night yeah yeah i didn't even drink oh i had a glass of wine on new year's (laughs) how old are we i know we had a quiet night in for new year's basically because we were just working off a food coma and zach and i were playing uno and every time we played around we would say another new year's resolution we had and we wrote them down in the notes on our phone but they had to be very very realistic and normal like mine was stop making plans with people that you don't want to do Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to remember another one. <laughs> Mine <laughs> was that. um to be more patient. I am so impatient. It's Same. insane. We were lined up to go to a gallery in Paris and the line was moving pretty fast and I saw there was a second line for people who pre-booked their tickets online. So I pre-booked the tickets, which cost like triple the money, got in the second express line and then she let in everyone who was in the other line. And the express line had to wait. So I ended up behind like I'm 40 other more. people and paying double the money and nearly had an aneurysm. I was like screaming. Yeah, that's something that we would do. It's like an Aesop's fable. I do it all the time. Even in a supermarket, just everywhere. I just get so antsy. And I feel like 
I've always had a really short attention span, but I think it's just getting worse and worse yeah. because I'll just be reading something, flick to the next thing, have no patience to finish it, no patience when I'm on public transport, no patience for people. So that's one of mine. That's a good one. I've got to learn how to play poker. I feel like I'd had maybe a few too many wines then. I was like, Poker's I'm great at fun. Uno. Maybe I'll be great at poker. Yeah. That's random. Horse riding lessons. Oh my God. Learn more about art. <laughs> Me and Izzy are going to become wholesome horse girls this year. We've already decided. We literally did. We looked it up. I feel like Bella Hadid and co have made being a horse girl cool again. We should talk about Christmas. Oh yeah. So we were with my dad for Christmas this year and we walked outside to have a smoke. And a police officer... Um pulled up and we were like what the hell because it's pitch black it was probably like 4 p.m i was gonna say i feel like it was midnight <laughs> but it was probably literally 2 p.m yeah and it was pitch black and he pulled up did he have a siren on no in my head yes yeah. but he wouldn't have and then put his window down he was like excuse me ladies um i don't mean to disturb but you haven't seen a shetland pony around <laughs> have you we were like no and we started laughing and he was like he's the bane of my life tonight and apparently this horse had just escaped and was walking around this main road near a petrol station and there'd been loads of police calls he had a uh, christmas hat on it was so he cute did. i really wish we saw the horse it's i had i had a fantasy of rescuing it because shetlands are the really little ones mm, so cute mm. um i listened to a very good podcast episode on the way here mm. that i feel like you would love so i've just gotten back into um how to fail with elizabeth day yes who is a um english journalist and author and she interviews guests on their three biggest failures in life. And um, basically the whole premise is like, if you learn how to fail, you can succeed better. Um, and she's had Phoebe Waller-Bridge on twice because they're really good friends, which are the best episodes because Elizabeth Day is just a very good interviewer. Mm. She's asked really eloquent questions and she, it's like a conversation, but not an annoying conversation where you feel like they're interrupting the person all the time, which is just... Mm. too much very common yeah very common like i can't listen to ashley graham's one <laughs> oh like, really ashley, yeah shush even though i know it's a conversation because obviously people want to hear what she has to say sometimes it just feels annoying anyway so she had um andrew scott on and it came out yesterday amazing mm-hmm. hot priest hot priest and it he's was just... really in... i read an interview with him once and he was a really cool guy yeah really interesting he said one of his failures was that um was not being heteronormative and um, talked all about how when he was younger he thought that was a massive failure because he wanted to have a wife and kids and he grew up, I think he grew up in the, his parents would grow up, in the, he grew up in the church I think. Um, yeah he did and then he, mm. since then, it's funny because he's played like just all of these priests weirdly. Yeah. And he talked about Phoebe Waller-Bridge and said that she was sort of asking like do you think it's crazy now how many people love Fleabag and how many people recognize you and how many people resonate with it and he was like no actually that's something that I really understand and love that people Mm. resonate with and he said that Phoebe makes um awards shows really fun which because they can be really boring especially if you don't get along with your cast and crew and people are really serious and he said that she's just so fun because she really takes pleasure in knowing that she's done a good job and like people appreciating it so she just gets super excited and she's like this is the fucking best that's awesome yeah speaking of fleabag and phoebe yes there has been a very important update on that front which is that every year barack obama so funny former president of the united states releases his favorite books films and music playlist from the year yeah and that was very cool and woke and amazing and this year he included fleabag season two Little Women, Book yep. Smart, and Sally Rooney's Normal People, which oh. I love. Obama. Just really? a shame he didn't include After Work Drinks podcast, but there's always next year. Yeah. But the very important aspect of that is the fact that he's seen Fleabag, which means... <laughs> he's seen Phoebe Waller-Bridge masturbating over him. Over him doing a speech. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's the best thing ever, because he obviously would know. That's the thing. Like I, th- I feel like when... I, you know, when you watch Fleabag, and so in the season one, episode one, she is in bed beside her boyfriend, and he falls asleep, and she starts watching an Obama speech on her laptop, and then masturbating, and then he wakes up and catches her. But when you watch that, you don't think Obama's going to see that. 
No. But then Obama is so up with the play with everything that obviously he was going to see that. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder if someone had warned him beforehand. Like, I wonder if he saw her win all of these awards and said, I've got to go watch this. Surely. And if someone said, be careful. His <laughs> daughters, for example, would be prime flea bag watching age. So yeah. I wonder if they were like, dad. dad. <laughs> or if you Googled it. I just, yeah, it's someone, just amazing. I, Imagine him and Michelle watching it. Yeah. And yeah, when she's winning the awards, obviously someone around him. It's just so funny. It's my favorite story. It's, yeah, it's a great story. Classic Obama just being amazing yet again. I love that he read normal people. I know. I love that he watched book smart. He had Juice by Lizzo on his playlist too. And Old Town my Road. Favorite song. I was like, Dad. <laughs> Do you reckon his daughter's like, please, not again, Dad? I know. Coolest parents. Do you know what I finished? I'm never going to shut up about it until you watch it. Morning Wars. Okay. Yes. I know you're very into this. So it's... I have to say, I feel like I probably would never have chosen to watch it if you hadn't recommended it. It's Jennifer Aniston and mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> and they're acting so well in it that the last episode finished. And I quickly got up Google and Googled the Golden Globes to make sure that Jenna had been nominated and she had been. And she had been. Okay. Oh, yeah. so it's a... It's a, it's a drama. It's a respectable... Mm. I feel like it's been marketed in a strange way. Like it's been marketed as if it's a kind of. It's not feel good. Yeah, like a feel good thing. Nah. It's mm. like very dark. So it's Steve Carell plays the bad guy and he does a really, really good job of it. He's a bloody great actor. Yeah, and you hate him in this. It's, um, is it loosely based on Matt Lauer, NBC? Yeah, they say it's not, but it is. <laughs> For legal reasons. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. Very heavy. They really portray workplace sexual harassment and misconduct in a really great way. Like, they show how it happens and how he thinks it's okay. And and, and they go through, like, so they mention Harvey Weinstein's in it. They mention the Me Too movement. And then, so Steve Carell's sort of like, men like Harvey Weinstein got taken down and now I'm getting taken down with him. But they're just trying to take down men in power now. It's not... I haven't done anything wrong. Mm. And then you see an incident where he um, kind of grooms or tricks a really young um, junior girl mm. um, and they sexually assaults her. And you see it, how, how it plays out and how he thinks he's done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's so brilliantly done. I loved it. That's great. I, w- I will definitely watch it. I think it's almost when we talked about Aziz Ansari, after that happened and it's almost those cases where it's much less black and white than Harvey Weinstein that conversations about this become much more interesting I think yeah I just I yeah I feel like they did it in such a brilliant way so yeah Reese and Jen are co-hosts on the show because Mm. he got fired and they brought Reese and she was super random unknown and they brought her in and then her and Jen hate each other and it's like it's just very good and season one ended on a real cliffhanger so it's definitely coming back So definitely watch that, please. But I accidentally oh. forgot to cancel my Apple TV one-week trial, and now I've paid for a month. Oh, God. We, yeah, we just did that with something as well. <laughs> so annoying. The most and there's, annoying. like, no – there's nothing else on Apple TV. I'm Makes like, me huh? feel like I'm literally just burning money. Like, I should just take a bank note and just set fire to it. You can't just set up um, – Apple, like a new streaming service to rival Netflix, and then it has about four shows on it. Mm. It has like three shows and one elephant documentary, which I'm obviously going to watch, but other than that, there's nothing. <laughs> oh, and I haven't actually watched the whole thing yet, but I sent you a text yesterday telling you you and Zach needed to start watching it. It's a rom com on Netflix that nobody has seen, and I'd never even heard of it, and it's called Long Shot. I feel like I'd heard of it. I thought it was Pam. Like, got bad reviews. Nah. Really, but it's, it's just a it's just a rom com, so yeah. I don't think it's amazing. But it's, it's a I good... think we all know the reason that you love it and reveal the cast. Charlie's Theron, <laughs> my girl, isn't it? Anything it's in, Izzy's like, I think you're wrong. It's a masterpiece. It's a work of art. <laughs> I love Nine her so stars. much now. Um, and Jonah Hill's in it. But the cut did a huge. The reason I'm um, watching it is because the cut did a huge article on it, saying it's the best rom com of the year. Mm. So then I clicked on it, and it's actually really good so far. And she's running for president. Great. And then he, I don't know what he, where he comes into it, but he's funny. <laughs> Another recommendation I have. 
Mm, non-stop with the wrecks this week, please. <laughs> is digestives. Okay. The biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like them? Yeah. They're so yum. I'd forgotten that they existed. <laughs> and I... With the chocolate on them. Yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. Like a hobnob. It was that. Yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah. But I, um, but I went to the old supermarket and bought a packet of dark digestives and I can't stop eating them. So that's... <laughs> In case you've forgotten. That's D-I-G-E-S-T. <laughs> I-C-E. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes if anyone's concerned. Yep. Great recommendation. Thank you. My only recommendation is I've started reading, I'm quite far into, Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers. Mm-hmm. And we actually talked to your friend Hannah about this because he came to Facebook where she works. And she was saying how he said at this talk that he now doesn't meet any of his potential employees in person because he thinks it'll corrupt his opinion of them to meet them face-to-face. So he only hires them electronically. Like based on data. Based on data. Yeah. And we all thought that was really weird. Now I've read this book, I completely understand, because this book is all about basically how meeting people gives the corrupts our ability to read people, essentially. So he talks about loads of different examples. One is about Hitler <laughs> in World War Two. And every single English politician or Canadian politician who went to meet Hitler really, really liked him and came back and said he has no intentions of declaring war. And every single leader who didn't meet him could see very clearly what his intentions were. Right, because they got charmed. Yes. He uses a great example where he says, um, you know those word association things where it's a word and it's missing three letters and you fill in whatever you think it is. Mm -hmm. So say it's B dash dash K. You might put in book. Mm Mm-hmm. You might put in buck, whatever. Uh, he did 20 in a row. This is a, a famous experiment, apparently. And you just f- fill it out with whatever you think. And he asked, they asked people after they did this, do you think what you filled out says anything about you? And 90% of people are like, no, it doesn't mean anything. It's just the first thing that popped into my head. Maybe I just passed a billboard that said this word or the first word influenced the second word. It doesn't say anything about me. But if you show someone else's answers to a person, they will offer a really nuanced character perspective of that person so they'll be like oh this person's are all in relation to money so they must be really money hungry or this person has cheat and blah blah so they must be really scared of being cheated on and it's basically about how we think that no one can understand us because we're so complicated but we think that everyone else is an easy book to read and that we can make sense of them in five seconds flat because we're so clever it's funny which is so true i find that really funny about hitler and people being charmed because that's yeah. that I me and you always talk about this we are so gullible when we yeah, meet people yeah but humans are just gullible like it's kind of a nice thing really because he said that anthropologically humans should have learnt by now how to detect liars because yeah. it's so in yeah. our, it's so in our best interest to figure it out and we just haven't and he's like it's because every human goes into any situation wanting to believe that the other person, not every single human, but a huge proportion, wanting to believe the other person is always telling the truth, is a good person, that they can trust them, etc. And it clouds our judgment because. Well, that's what I was wrong. just saying the other day about um, in London, it's really, really sad the amount of homeless people around, especially where I don't know if it's especially where we live. I think yeah. everywhere, but I live um, east and on one of the like main strips of the streets there's a lot of homeless people and it's really really hard and I find it really I don't know what to do and I know that people who have lived here for years kind of say there's nothing you can do you kind of just have to keep walking Mm. because if you stop for every person that tries to talk to you or interrupt you or ask you for something you'll never get anywhere Mm -hmm. and I find that like impossible to do I can't Mm -hmm. do it I can't ignore people if I have my headphones in and someone tries to tap me and I keep walking I feel guilty and stop. <laughs> what? Are you laughing about the mango? Oh, oh mango. <laughs> that was the time that I had no money, but I gave it all my mango. <laughs> I just give... like. Oh. But then I was saying to Grace the other day, because on Boxing Day, a woman stopped me and she seemed really distressed and she said she was trying to get a train to get out of the city and I just felt so bad for her. That mm. I gave her 20 quid, which is 40 Australian dollars. <laughs> and and Izzy is not in, like, a flush financial position currently. Well, no. No. I mean, who has that? 
then I got on the bus and I was like, if she really needed to get a train to get somewhere, I don't feel upset at all that I gave 20 quid away. I don't care. Mm. I hope she uses that. I hope that helps her. But if that's not the case because she's lying to me, then that sucks. And it's mm-hmm. crazy how you just cannot tell when someone is looking at you in the eye if they're telling the truth or lying. Well, the biggest thing that he talks about in this is that, like, the worst possible way to tell if someone's lying is to look them in the face. Because it's nothing a human does, really. People think that they can say, oh, this person does this or that. There, There is no real scientifically valid way to tell if someone is lying still even with all the technology we have and he and said Jordan that Woods did a lie detector test oh, oh my god <laughs> liar i can tell um but he t- talked about judges um in the american court systems and how they got a computer to spit out based on like three factors i think age and prior history was all that the computer had how old you are and what your previous offenses were and a judge has age history plus all the context of the crime all the context of the criminal meets the criminal sees them in person and a computer with two details has a better predictor of who will reoffend if released than judges based on in fact judges most commonly release the most likely to reoffend violent criminals and it's because you're so biased by what you make of someone when you see mm. them in person yeah. that you cannot make a rational judgment. So he said that the best way that we can do the bail system, especially at the bail hearings, is to have it behind, I don't know, a wall or something. So the judges can't see the defendant because that will yeah. bias them in a way that's bad for society. It's so crazy. And I feel like everyone listening to this would be able to think of an example of a person or people who you think is really genuine and lovely and kind and then they're not yeah and then and, and then and it shocks you and then everyone kind of everyone kind of thinks oh but that's that lovely person they could never have done this and it's like but that happened yeah and the closer you are to someone the more uh difficulty you yeah. have in reading their behavior properly because you keep thinking well no they're good or no they've yeah, done this thing i know about whereas that. like your friends will be like no that's a bad egg like yeah. no because they don't know them yeah and they talk about Amanda Knox, do you remember that case? Mm-hmm. And how such a huge part of the reason that she was wrongly convicted was because she wasn't reacting to grief the way people thought was a normal way to react to grief. Yeah, Whereas, because she was wrongly convicted of killing her flatmate while they were in, were they in Spain? Italy. Italy. Yeah. Because when the police were there, she was outside kissing and hugging her boyfriend. And she went like shopping for lingerie that day or yeah something. And they had literally no physical evidence and convicted her. And it's because they thought she was acting so strangely. She but he jail, says that yeah. our ideas of grief are so informed by TV and movies. Mm. Because the way that people actually grieve is completely myriad. And like, TV and movies are so over-exaggerated. Yeah. And he said that TV and movies always have a character where a cop catches someone out on a lie because you can tell they're lying and that's the big moment you're like he's so clever and he said that's caused people so many problems because they it's convinced people that if they're smart enough they'll catch out a liar when it's nothing to do with intelligence you can 100% tell when I'm lying Malcolm Gladwell (laughs) you literally it's so funny I cannot keep a straight face to save my life. I know. I actually over the top telling the truth because I am such a bad liar. I feel like even admitting things out that aren't even necessarily relevant yeah. makes me feel like, like I'm lying. Yeah, say like the stupidest thing. If I'd bought someone a birthday present and they were like, what did you do today? I would just be grinning like a Cheshire cat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep a secret. <laughs> so bad. Grinning like a Cheshire cat. Another thing that we have both seen this week is Little Women. Yes. We had a lovely expedition to see Little Women. We went on a date. We had a great date. We paid like $150 (laughs) for a movie ticket because we bought these weird luxe ones and then got into the cinema and they were exactly the same as the other seats and we got completely duped. Yeah, and there was about two people in the cinema. In the whole cinema, but, you know. You live and you learn. It was a fun experience. Um, I loved it. We haven't read the book, so it was my first time mm. with that story. I have story. read the book, but I cannot remember a thing. I think it was when I was about 10. Yeah. So, basically haven't Very read Very iconic book. book, obviously, but yeah, I just never read it. But, loved it. Same. Two-word review. Loved it. <laughs> Same. I thought Timothy Chalamet was amazing. Saoirse Ronan was amazing. 
I think she, the way the Greta Gerwig flicked back and forth, and mm. I've read a bit about it since, which I usually, I don't do that that often where I see a film or read a book or anything and then look up all the all of the reviews of it. I don't yeah. usually do that, but I've been doing that a bit with Little Women and finding out these little tidbits, like, because Timothy Chalamet is the love interest of both Saoirse Ronan and... Florence Pugh, her sister, um, Amy and Joe. Marge. Love Florence Pugh, quick like his yeah. little sidebar. We really enjoyed. She's really her. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so she's only been in one film before, I think. I was gonna say she's definitely a newcomer, yeah. but she really, she's shone. She's a great actress. Great she randomly actress. goes out with um, what's his name? Zach. Zach Braff from Scrubs. <laughs> I was like, I know. Where is, why do I know that guy's face? And it's from Scrubs. There must be a sizable age gap there. She's quite she's, young. I think she's 23 and he's Leo Sage. 45 or something. Yeah. Um, Just eye-rolled in case anyone, <laughs> in case anyone missed that. that silence. <laughs> but I was reading um, little tidbits like um, for Tim- so Timothy pretty much styled himself. For his role. So the costume designer basically put a whole bunch of outfits in the, whatever, caravan, and he just picked out whatever he was going to wear himself. And then loves um, a floaty blouse, doesn't he? Loves a vest. Uh, And then they made copies of everything of Timothy's for Saoirse, and they flicked between them. So in one of the scenes, Timothy's wearing this little, um, like, waistcoat and then mm-hmm. in another one Saoirse is wearing the exact same thing to show how wow. close they are as characters um god very subliminal mind games by Greta I know the film is all about powerful women but in it there's a lot of really strong male characters and basically throughout the entire film they are positive influences on the women and they really build them up Yes, and and also I felt like, and this is obviously why it's an iconic book, I guess, but it's very interesting multifaceted women who cover the whole scope of femininity. So you have people like Emma Watson's character who just want to get married and have a family and don't doesn't want to go be a big actress, doesn't have huge career ambitions. She just wants to fall in love and have a beautiful little life. And then you've got someone who's desperate to be a famous writer and to go down in history as an iconic yeah, whatever, and, and, and then you've um, got a, someone who wants to be an artist and travel. It's it's like not judging one thing over the other. Yeah, you know they're all options. And Sersha's character Joe says in it a bunch of times that she just doesn't. She hates that she was born a girl and she wishes mm. she was born a boy. And basically, because at the time women had very limited opportunities, they couldn't really work. She um, barely gets by writing and not putting her name on stories, um, and then. Florence Pugh, on the other hand, who is her sister, who's quite feminine, and she's the painter, and she wants to go to Paris. She wants to marry rich, but she doesn't want to marry rich because she's vapid. She wants to marry rich because she can see that that is the best prospect for her to live. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of the movie was um, that scene where she's talking to Timothy Chalamet, and she was like, we literally have two options as women now. Yeah. And getting married for money so we get freedom is one of them. So I'm not – so don't judge help. me for doing it. I can help my family. I'm free to pursue my art. I can travel. And I can't do that if I try to work on my own. So fuck you. And yeah. I was like, Ooh. Love. And also I loved the bit where Saoirse says, um, women have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. They've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. I am so sick of people saying that love is all a woman is fit for. I'm sick of it. But I am so lonely. So she's saying, you know, I I'm I want to be this independent woman, but I also want someone to I want both. Yeah, it's amazing how relevant all of the mm. themes still feel. Like obviously it came out in I think 1868, which is a while ago. When the, when they had the scenes of them dancing at the ball, I was just laughing so much because I was envisioning me and you in those dresses at, at a oh dance at a manner and I just couldn't stop laughing. We Us would look little, insane in a um, bonnet. How little like sequin Georgia Ellis dresses yeah. now. <laughs> but um, it's it, it still feels like the same kind of conundrum that so many women deal with because it does still feel like there's kind of this push and pull between marriage and family and freedom and a career. 
and obviously there are a lot of amazing women who are doing both Greta Gerwig among them but it's it, it that still kind of feels like at the core of the whole female conversation it feels like something we're still trying to negotiate yeah and so Louisa May Alcott who wrote it she kind of wrote herself as a character of Joe mm. and um she I was reading to her in the Atlantic she never had a child and she never married and to anyone's knowledge she never had a sexual relationship Wow. But she um, raised, she cared for her parents when they were aging, and she raised her um, sister's children. Far out. Yeah. It was interesting. So I, I, I'm assuming, not having read the book, but that Greta Gerwig took a bit of artistic license by kind of right, making it quite meta, the movie, where it mm-hmm. becomes about Joe March trying to publish the book of Little Women. Yeah. And it, I think the story of the publisher saying no and then the daughters finding it is actually what happened with Little Women with Louisa May Alcott. Yeah. I think. Um, so the publishers at the time essentially said to her, no, no one will read this. And then the publisher took it home and his young daughters discovered it and were like, what happens next? And were freaking out. And that's why he agreed to publish it. And it became like an overnight sensation. And people hadn't thought to that point that writing about the domestic lives of young women and marriages and dances and sisters and mum and dad and all that stuff that goes on in the home could be interesting to people and we still have that problem now where people think that the inner lives of women aren't interesting enough to be considered high art even um i was reading a piece in the new york times and it's literally about how men are dismissing little women and how basically they're not going to see the film because they don't think that it is directed to or is made for them in any way which it definitely is i can see I obviously agree on a huge level that men think that women-focused content is not for them, whereas women see male-focused content as just being content and don't mm-hmm. think that yeah. they don't have to see it. Um, I can, I feel like in some ways I can see why men would be less interested in this just because it's like – I feel like it's almost the equivalent to – Fast and Furious Nine or something, and how like hyper feminine. I know, but in terms of how hyper feminine it is compared mm. to hyper masculine, I think it's different to saying people won't watch Fleabag or yeah. But I feel like girls, it's... people wouldn't watch girls. People wouldn't watch Fleabag, and that's yeah. ridiculous because they're just great, Even amazingly the... written comedies. I still think men should see Little Women, but I I understand it a bit. But the overall point. But it's funny because because men are choosing not to see this film. It's being underrepresented during awards season. Yeah, exactly, so, because so many of those... Uh, yeah, it got zero Screen Actors Guild's nominations, and um, Vanity Fair described the audience at early advanced screenings as overwhelmingly comprised of women. Mm. So It has a flow-on effect of affecting the nominations, and Oscar nominations obviously affect people deciding to fund similar movies. So it, it overall has a huge... Yeah, mm. and even I was surprised when I saw... You know, Obama's list included Little Woman, Fleabag, Booksmart, all of these amazing female-led films and TV shows. But I don't know why I'm surprised about that because all, it's all brilliant. It's just I think that we're so used to seeing when you look at any list of the 10 best movies of all time or the 50 best movies of all time or the best directors of all time, it's always men who wrote movies about men it's like just the way that Hollywood has been as a default for so long that things that are female-led still feel like quote-unquote niche content. Like, you know how I always remember when I would go to a video shop when I was a kid and anything with a LGBTQ storyline was in a niche section. Like, I can't remember what they called it back in the day, but it would be called like special interest yeah. or something, yeah, yeah, like yeah, some yeah, yeah. sort of thing. And that's where you would get all lgbtq content because it was seen as like a niche interest so it could be an amazing film like brokeback mountain but it would go away from all of the other content that people were looking at and that's kind of still i think how people feel about female content because they see male-led content as the default and it's going to take a really long time unfortunately to correct that yeah it just really irks me because i found that in my own relationship Mm. that a lot of the time anton would just dismiss things like Fleabag mm-hmm. because he would think like I remember the first time I ever watched Fleabag he put his headphones in and started watching something else on the on his computer yeah he just assumed he wasn't gonna like it and then we had a huge fight about it <laughs> yeah. because I was like I, I'm not watching crap 
Yeah. What do you think I'm watching? What do you think yeah. I'm laughing at? It's not garbage. And anything... I don't think... I can't even think of anything that's so skewed towards women that men wouldn't find it entertaining. But Fleabag completely isn't. No. Even we were watching Girls here the other day. And yeah. Zach was overhearing it and was laughing at stuff because we'd gone back to season one. Um, and he'd never watched Girls before, and I think he was surprised at how funny he found it. And it's and at all of the cameos and all, like Donald Glover's in season two, and Catherine Hahn's in it, and yeah. Chris O'Dowd is in it, yeah. and all these amazing people. I was Adam like, it's Driver. a really yeah, highly highly respected comedic show. But I think uh, men genuinely do feel that things with all female casts or female ensemble casts or things that are called girls, therefore means that it's not of interest to them or won't be relevant to them. And it's frustrating because I feel like women almost have a more empathetic, nuanced view of men because we've grown up watching so much film and TV that helps us understand the male psyche and male challenges. And we always see complicated, interesting male characters. And that gives us a a sort of broad, nuanced view of how men work. Whereas men do not grow up with that for women. They grow up with very, very, very limited caricatures of what females are like. And therefore, they approach the women in their lives probably with far less understanding. Yeah, or even, yeah, exactly. Or even be able to communicate well with people of the opposite sex in terms of just social situations. Because you would think, you would, if you didn't have that many female friends growing up, or if you hadn't spent that much time with women, you would have no idea what we're like, or that our humor is the same, or anything like that. And if you watch something like Fleabag, you'd be like, oh. They just want to, like, lie in bed and watch Barack Obama and have a wang. Yeah, or even, like, I think if... So, obviously, so many men view girls, young women especially, as being desperate to tie them down or desperate to be in a relationship or desperate to get married. And if you'd watch girls, even, Hmm. you would at least understand that girls are having similar conversations to what you're having with your mates about not knowing if they want to commit to something or being embarrassingly keen with a guy and not really understanding why and getting shit from their mates about it or just all of those things that actually go on you would start to see women less like a weird alien species that you don't really understand and more as being almost exactly the same as you just slightly different yeah and even more because guys don't talk about i find that with most of my male friends is because not guys in general, but a lot of the guys I know don't talk about things. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. talk about their feelings. They yeah. don't get in depth. And so they, the guys who I'm really close with, um, love hanging out with girls because we will have these funny, frank conversations. We'll talk about how embarrassed we were when we text the guy who didn't text us back, which they obviously feel when they text a girl who doesn't text them back, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about that with their guy friends. Yeah. And then that's what you would see if you watched these shows you would see a lot more of yourself related back to you because they yeah. don't show that on guys' shows because guys don't talk about it or act like that ever happens. Exactly. It's very frustrating. Do you want to top up? Yes. <laughs> I, did a, I did a quiet, sneaky one before. Did you? Yes. Rude. So rude. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Rude. Before Grace moved to London, she did a digital detox mm-hmm. for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I have currently started doing one now because the Christmas and New Year's Eve mania on instagram was too much for me to handle yeah so i've completely... it really was an onslaught 
I've just gone MIA. I was like, we've hit like baby and engagement. It's baby and engagement season anyway, but we've also hit the age bracket where it's like far more ubiquitous than <laughs> ever before. Every, and then also everyone's crazy year in reviews, celebrities, everyone. I was like, when did this start? One of my really good friends got engaged over the New Year's period. And what I loved is that they didn't post about it for a few days. And she just sent like four or five of her closest friends, me included, um, just the three photos from it the day. So it was in Canada and they had a, what do you call when you go mush with the cute dogs and you're in a sled? Oh, just a sleigh ride. A sled with six wolves, huskies. Mm. Um, But they just sent literally the three photos to five or six of their closest friends and then didn't post anything about it for like a week or something. Yeah, my friend got engaged um, in... Shit, where was she? She wasn't in Greece. That's probably she... how everyone does it, actually. And I'm like, she's so disciplined. And probably anyone who posts about it happened Has a few waited. days ago. Yeah, yeah, people usually wait a few days, I think. Right. Grace is desperate to go to a wedding, so he's stoked now. I'm so excited. So now we've got three potential weddings, all in different places in the world. All, like, probably won't be able to go to any of them, unfortunately. You're so desperate to go I'm to so, one. I'm gagging to go to a wedding. Yeah, they're, they're so nice. I, was I just want to thinking... wear a fun dress and cry and eat lots of food and have a dance. Um, you know the post on our, on After Work Drinks and it says it's, it's like a new way of doing New Year's resolutions and there's yes. nine questions to ask yourself. One of them was um, name a moment in 2019 that makes you smile when you think about it. And I was like, what would that be? And then I remembered that it was my friend Howie's wedding. Mm. I just, it, they're just such great days. Yeah. Weddings. Anyway, um, so because everyone's getting engaged and married and because Instagram is just a lot and everyone's at home in the yum heat in summer, I was like, I'm getting off this. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our next topic. Yes. So we were interviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald. So very important. <laughs> Uh, about digital detoxes because I'd just done one and now Izzy's doing one. And it was – the article is by Annie Brown, who's a fabulous journalist and also our friend, but Spoiler. more importantly, <laughs> a fabulous journalist. Um, but it was all about this concept of medium online, which Man Rapella kind of coined as a phrase um, earlier – not earlier this year. A couple of – Only a couple of weeks ago, ago yeah. Um but it's this idea that a full digital detox is completely unrealistic in this day and age. Almost any career that you're in, it's impossible. In our career, it's especially impossible because we wouldn't be abreast of any interesting news. Um, so it's about finding a way to reasonably, realistically have a healthy relationship with social media while still not cutting off all your friends and family and job prospects. Yeah. So you're not completely offline, but you're not living online either. Um, so, for example, right now I don't have Instagram at all because I wanted a week or so away from it. I don't have Facebook on my phone so that I don't mindlessly scroll, but I do have it on my computer because mm-hmm. I use it for Messenger to chat to my friends overseas. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said about having mini detoxes. I think, I mean, this kind of speaks to that generation-ish that we were talking about earlier, how everyone kind of sits on the fence now. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of a good way to look at digital detoxes because you don't need to be all or nothing and completely cut off, cut yourself off. Yes. I mean, it's nice. So it's nice to have time away, but even not having Instagram for the past three days or whatever it's been, I don't notice or care. No, I you think, su- you suddenly are just like, oh. Yeah, which I think is a nice, that's surprising to me because I will spend so much time mindlessly scrolling. I'll just unlock my phone, go on it and just scroll for no reason. Same. And then I think that's why... I wanted to take time off because I realized that I was scrolling past things like my friend's newborn babies. And instead of having a normal human reaction, which would be to stop and look at this, look at this beautiful child and then message them and talk to them about it. You end up just mindlessly scrolling past all of the stuff that's, that's happening, which yeah. made me feel really weird. Totally. Um, so now I'm not seeing any of it. So <laughs> I think it's really good. I found that when I had a couple of weeks off, first thing I found was it didn't reduce my screen time, which was worrying. I ended up on 
Pinterest a lot, which I've never done before. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do this. So you've got this chip in your brain that's just looking to mindlessly scroll. Well, even I was um, on the train here listening to a podcast, but I was going through and deleting photos on my camera. Old photos, that's what I do when I'm on a plane and I can't have Wi-Fi. It's so bad. But we just want to be doing something on our phones. It's crazy. Mm. So I feel like I almost needed another few weeks to just completely break out of that habit. But it was good because I spend – a crazy amount of time on Instagram just mindlessly scrolling I'm not getting anything out of it and I think the thing is that we want to be so black and white and all or nothing with our relationships to social media but I get a lot out of Instagram not just through work but I follow really creatively inspiring fascinating people who post amazing imagery or who are amazing writers I respect who post links to their stories or people whose uh opinions or taste I really admire sharing the most recent books they've read or music they've listened to I get a lot out of Instagram in that sense so I don't think it's this vacuous superficial pointless social media format but it can be because you can just get down the wormhole of looking at girls who have six packs and are at the beach all the time and own a house and have a perfect wardrobe and feel depressed so it's and that's what we talked about with Sydney Morning Herald is how for us, because especially I use Instagram so much for news. I follow so many publications. I follow so many people who I could get um, ideas, like journalists, writers, um, ideas for stories from. But then it's exactly, it's trying to figure out because then you also have to follow all of your friends or people would think mm. you're crazy. Yes. And it's trying to filter out when you're wasting time and when you're not. And then the, the lines become so blurred. Even, um, so the Man Repeller Girl said that she unsubscribed from most of her newsletters, which is something I did recently, mm. because they would just clutter up my inbox, make me feel stressed, and mm. then I would barely even read them. Um, turned off her push notifications, which I don't have any of them I on. I don't have any way, yeah. yeah. Um, and set her social screen time, which I think is a bit ambitious, to five minutes a day. Yeah. Which is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, yeah, my screen time was out of control, so... I, th- I think, yeah, I think another thing for me with Instagram is I'm, I think it's part of my anxiety is I kind of, as you know, always have to be very on top of everything. Mm-hmm. So if I get an email, I open it to clear out my inbox. And if I have, even on my phone, if there's an update that needs to, to happen on an app mm-hmm. and there's that little notification thing on the app freaking thing, mm. I have to update all my apps to get right. rid of the notification. Yeah. And so with Instagram, it's one of those things where I want to get to the top. Right. So I, Interesting. Yeah. And I think without even realizing, I think subconsciously I'll open it and I want to have seen everything so I can put that in, in the done pile. Right. I have a little tactic that I use when I feel like I'm on Instagram too much where I open it and I say, okay, you've got 10 posts and that's it. And I'll go 10, 9, 8, 7. And as soon as it's one, I just have to put the phone down. I don't know if that's going to be useful to anyone, but it's good for me to just be like, get off. Because otherwise it's 10 seconds instead of potentially 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Yeah. And then you do that 15 minutes four times through the day and all of a sudden it's an hour and you've completely wasted it looking at like old pictures of Yoko Ono or something. That's such a youth. <laughs> mine, mine would be like Hayley Baldwin's wedding photos. Um, I actually read this really good New York Times article um, titled I Can't Even Trust Myself Anymore about how a woman who now we've talked that about was this really funny yeah, yeah we've talked about this a bit in length previously with the Bottega Veneta shoes yes um, about how she doesn't even know what she likes or dislikes anymore thanks to the internet yes um, and she it also speaks to my short attention span as well mm. I think having, but I think yeah that thing of being so hyper aware of how you're being perceived is so um messes with your head so much because for example even when I was in Paris I went to a restaurant which actually ended up being like a really terrible meal but I knew that there was a specific like Instagram moment that I wanted to get there I was featuring a pear oh you put it up you got <laughs> I it I put it up I got it but it, I'd seen it on Instagram and was like this is a really cool place to go to for dinner oh my god and then I wanted to go that. there and the food was not very good and we complained about how bad the food was, but I still put an Instagram up from it. But it's like, I don't know if I just wanted to go to that place because it was on Instagram or if it's the kind of place I would want to go to if Instagram's just showing me things that I want to see 
because the fact that I still wanted to go surely proves that I want to go because I see a bazillion things on Instagram per day that I yeah, don't no. choose to go to. But it's still – it's like this two-way street where I still decided to go and spend money somewhere because I knew it would look good on Instagram. Yes. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Because oh, – sorry, this is the funniest fucking story. I've never told you this. Should have been in my worst moments of the decade. Okay. Um, so when Anton, Anton and I went to Thailand mm-hmm. and there was the mortar and pestle incident, mm-hmm. um, we went to, so I had seen, you know, that Instagram account, do you travel? You probably don't, no. but it's this, I think, I don't know if he's Australian or not, but it's this guy and he has millions of followers on Instagram mm-hmm. and him and his girlfriend, I'm pretty sure they were the original people who did that the hand holding thing. So him and his girlfriend, she has millions of followers as well i Mm -hmm. think they live in bali travel the world and he went to this island in thailand called cat bar island Mm -hmm. and put up the most amazing photos Mm -hmm. from cat bar island Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god we have to go there when we're in thailand we have to go me doing absolutely no other research about the island just thought Mm -hmm. it looked incredible in his photos we booked a ferry to this island the sea was so choppy that the ferry got cancelled and we were stuck sitting in like this weird port area where no no one was around couldn't even get water or anything finally managed to get this like hijack this boat with all these locals over to cat bar island which was the biggest shithole mm-hmm. ever mm. i don't even think and the sea was so rough that we couldn't get back the same day <laughs> so we were stuck on this island in the middle the of night. nowhere for the night and we had to um pay for a comp crazy like not ex- not crazy expensive because it was the shittiest hotel in the world but too expensive for <laughs> what it was what it was um this crazy hotel on the beach surrounded by about 18 year old <laughs> tourists partying all night <laughs> on this party island there were really cute monkeys that's it and other than mm. that it was horrible and he just managed to get this beautiful photo which he'd obviously brightened up in photoshop and made yes. look so 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 cool yes. so do not ever go there yeah but this is the thing but i think that what she talked about in that article that was so interesting is that you you don't like not trusting yourself anymore is that you start to question your own opinions and interests and tastes because you can't decide where instagram's influence ends you know like it's instagram just giving you access to things that you would have found in a library or a magazine in the past that Mm. you just like or are you changing your taste and what you like to suit what you think will look good on Instagram? But even she's saying, aside from that, she's kind of saying that the positive things that she does is counteracted by the time she spends online. So she was like, <laughs> I attend therapy for 50 minutes a week, but spend at least that much time reading tweets by people I know dislike me. <laughs> I'm unsure whether my newfound interest in cooking is because they enjoy making food or because making food and sharing a little boomerang of it bubbling on the stove has improved the responses to my Instagram stories. And you too much. I know too much about my ex boyfriend's new girlfriends, which is that's such a thing that just never used to exist. It's crazy. Um, and you would have heard about it through like you would have heard seven about it. degrees of separation <laughs> yeah. at like the local pub or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love how she talks about buying three different types headbands. of padded headbands. And she's like, I've never worn any of them, and I don't know why I bought Same. them. What's the worst thing you've bought because of Instagram? I bought this really weird, like, Peter Pan blouse that I got sent to England. It was here when I got here, and it's really funny. It looks like something from Little Women. I'll post a photo <laughs> of it. Someone can have it if they want it. It's, oh like, got gosh. this embellished, like, really long Peter Pan collar. It could not be further from my style if, yeah. it, if I possibly so tried. It's so Victorian. Uh, I think probably nothing super bad, but I think I can get really sucked into um, – when you went to the... What are you going to say? Genzo. My bad thing for me. Oh, yeah. That wasn't Instagram, though. That was just me losing my mind over sales. But I went to the <laughs> H&M Kenzo launch of their designer collaboration, and Kenzo was just nothing I would ever wear. And I left with, like, 14 huge shopping bags. <laughs> and I was going through Izzy's wardrobe once, and it was, like, a trench coat, black jeans, black pants, a white shirt, and then, like, a hot pink leopard print coat. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? Remember when I put it on? I was like, what do I do? You're like, you have to get rid of it. Get rid of it any by any means necessary. Yeah, I can get very sucked into um, cute, scandy, stylish girls who wear little pink cardigans and um, tartan pants. And But it's just, I know, I now know not to go near it. <laughs> 
I now know myself well enough. You need one of those like house arrest ankle devices that goes off when you go within 10 foot of it. Yeah. Anytime I try to buy from Rixo. Yeah. It's like you don't suit it as much as you love it. <laughs> so I also found a piece that I loved on this topic and then it turned out it was from 2018 so apologies <laughs> the new up yorker the pulled play? it i know very up with the plate the new yorker pulled it out for their like retrospective on the decade so apologies but it's called improving ourselves to death by alexandra schwartz and it's amazing and i wish that i'd read it at the time because it's all about what you know we've all talked about this in some capacity before but just incredibly eloquent take on this cultural obsession we have with becoming the most optimized versions of ourselves we can be and i think that new years and new year's resolutions can kind of go down that wormhole of getting so obsessed with self-betterment that it ends up just being kind of self-hatred like it just becomes a way to look at all of your flaws and exacerbate them and beat yourself up for them and promise yourself you're going to fundamentally change as a person which is really silly but she talks to loads of different people who've written different self-help books and is very uh what's the word cynical about all of them so it kind of pulls out like single good points that each one might make but kind of makes fun of all of the shit I about love it how that's she brought unrealistic up, i love how she brought up the secret yes that was great she was like the secret was the perfect self-help book for the pre-gfc world yeah because people had money so it was like if you think enough about finding a husband you will and everyone was like oh okay i feel like i've already <laughs> said this on the podcast before but I read The Secret when I was 17 years old and I had a crush on this boy called Sam mm-hmm. and I sat at home in my bed at my parents' house and I lay there thinking, Sam's going to text me, Sam's going to text me, Sam's going to text me off the back of The Secret and I woke up in the morning he texts me at 2am. Okay, I also have a story about The Secret. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't dating, like it wasn't, it oh was, my God. we didn't even know each other, he's still very good looking, this boy. Okay. But um, we went... Sam, is his number is 07. We <laughs> need a plus seven. four four from... <laughs> I think he lives in Melbourne these days. Um, um, when I, so I moved high schools, halfway through high school, and I was really angry about it because, like, all my friends and my boyfriend and everything was at my old high school. And my mum, who had moved me because I was being naughty and, like, squandering my potential knew I was really mad at her. So she didn't talk, like she didn't try and talk to me about it, but she played the secret in the car every day to try and get me into a positive mind frame. And like, That's so cute. And it was really cute. And like two weeks in, I was just a transformed person. And I was like, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to blah, blah. I'm going to think. And I got really into it. And then I ended up loving the school. So the secret weirdly, mm. I the lo- secret audio books, well, I think like, a, it, all it is is saying positive thinking is a good thing. I know that this is the thing with these self-help things. This, I think this is the interesting part of her article is that she's like, these self-help books strike a chord because they're either saying things that are just good sense, like think positive thoughts instead of depressing thoughts, because then you'll mm-hmm. probably be a happier person. What I loved about it is I think she just touched on the fact that these self-help books strike such a chord because they always do have some sort of element of truth about how we can improve our thinking to make our lives better. And what she says, especially now, is that these books, kind of like Malcolm Gladwell, are so often written by people with amazing scientific backing to what they're saying. So it isn't kind of woo-woo, out of thin air uh, nonsense. It's like scientifically backed tips to being a better person but the downside to that obviously is that we constantly feel like we're shitty people by not optimizing ourselves because the options are so easy compared to in the past yeah exactly even the um morning routines mm. and people waking up at five thirty in the morning and putting up this thing and saying that they go to the gym do a guided meditation and then get through all the emails before six in the morning so why can't you exactly but I can't do that. I set my alarm this morning. I know, but we read them so obsessively yeah. because we think there's some little like hint in there that's going to change us into different people. I felt like I was going to die when my alarm went off at seven in the morning this morning. Yeah, that's just not a fun way to live. Like, let's just be honest. Like, life is more fun when you eat carbs and like drink wine and sleep in and whatever but you're not going to be your hottest, most alert, most fittest, most optimized self. But I'm just not even convinced that people who are like that are that happy. Uh, any happier than us maybe they are but i think that 
this obsession with self-betterment has ended up just making people feel even worse about themselves all the time. That's kind of how I feel. Like, I feel... Yeah, me too, yeah. I feel as if I'm more of a failure because all of the tools are available to me to be mega hot, mega smart, mega successful, mega career-driven. Same. I think that all the time. When how I, do I use them? <laughs> when I find out someone who I think is very similar to me, even you sometimes, I'll be like, when do you find the time to read? Because we both love reading, but I think I just haven't been prioritizing it much lately. So obviously I just haven't been reading as much as you, Mm -hmm. but you'll read three books in a month or four books in a month. And I can't figure out when you found the time to do that because I think that I always think that what I'm doing is the same as what you're doing. Yeah. When another friend of mine secretly (laughs) or just like not so secretly, but I just didn't know goes to the gym every morning at six a.m. Yes. And then we we spend the entire day at work together. Both eat the same thing for lunch. Both eat, both eat the same thing for dinner. Have a wine after work. Go to bed. And then I I always feel cheated when I find out people are right. yeah, secretly yeah. doing these other things. But they're just... And then I feel like I'm a failure because I don't know what I'm doing in that time. I just feel like I'm suddenly wasting all these hours. Well, yeah, we feel accountable for our time in this like, crazy way now. And I liked how some of the people that she spoke to... Um, in this piece we're talking about like sometimes the most motivational self-help book you can get is careless like stop investing so much like mm. set realistic deadlines be pragmatic about what you'll actually enjoy doing don't take on workloads that are too hard for you it was like you showed me that amazing piece by dolly alderton in it was just literally like a year in review wrap up for the mm-hmm. sunday times and she said about dream jobs she was like if it's a job that makes you so stressed that you want to die yeah it isn't your dream job even if on paper it is yeah and I was listening to How to Fail, which I'm now just nonstop listening to, on the way here. And she was um, interviewing Fern Cotton, um, the like a TV host and presenter. And she has a podcast and she's really famous over here and potentially in the world. I don't know. But she um, was talking about how in her 30s, she was just like, I now just, when I was in my 20s, I was trying to do everything that I thought I should be doing. So I was doing so much of that that I kind of lost myself because I would go so far to the other side of going out all the time and partying all the time and being that funny person that I can be Mm. when I want to be but I felt like I had to be like that all the time and she was like in my 30s I've just realized that I just do whatever I want to do and I'm a really I'm a real homebody and all I really ever want to do is be at home reading or with my kids or cooking or doing nothing and I was like I relate to that so much Mm. because I love being at home and I find so much joy Mm. in literally just spending the day at home reading a book on the couch and drinking a cups of tea it's my favorite thing to do but then i feel like because you're seeing all these things that everyone else is doing you feel like you you you're wasting your time yeah Yeah, that's the thing that's crazy like even with new years me and zach were in paris and we got back from eating a really good meal and we just chilled out and sat down, and then we're like, okay, should we go out? Should we go to a bar? Should we go to blah, blah? Should we meet up with like people? Should whatever. And I just hit this point where I said, you know what? My perfect night tonight, regardless of New Year's or whatever, is we've just had like a hectic, hectic meal. I'm going to sit here and drink an expensive bottle of champagne and play fucking Uno and listen to some music from the 2010s and then go to bed at like quarter to one. And he was like, same. That's exactly what we did. And mm. it was the nicest night ever. And it's this weird thing where I think the older you get, the more you get out of this idea of I need to be doing X, Y, Z in order to either present this version of myself or to please other people or to whatever. And it's really silly because you're not being honest about what you really like to Mm. do. I would much rather have an extra like three or four kilos on my belly and enjoy eating whenever I eat and not get up at 5am and do an hour workout class and come home after work and read for two hours instead of going to Pilates that's something that I feel about myself and yet if I go on Instagram for long enough I'll be like you're so lazy what are you doing everyone works out except you everyone has a six-pack except you everyone is like Mm. hardworking and cares about their appearance and you don't and you're so lazy and like I'll just get into this head spin about it Mark Warburg (laughs) (laughs) please continue (laughs) said that he gets up at 
30 a.m. I remember when this went viral. Every single day. He's a fuckwit for saying this. That's Didn't, a lie. Doesn't he pray for like 45 minutes after he wakes up? Or yeah. And then he uh, gets up, does a two. No, he gets up, has breakfast, then does a two hour at workout. 2:30. Then has a post breakfast snack. And this is still we're only at like 5 a.m. And then he goes and plays golf. And this is all before seven. I'm like. Get a grip. Literally Who get a grip. That? Like, that's not says, fun. You're a multi-multi-millionaire to sleep until 11. And he says that he goes to bed at 7. So I was like, you obviously don't, you don't go to seven, bed at 7 o'clock every single night. That's impossible. I can't, at the moment, because I've been watching The Morning Wars, go to bed before midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Agree, though. Midnight. I the morning routine that. thing is an unhealthy obsession we have, and I have the exact same obsession. I love reading about people's morning routines. I'll read about them until I'm blue in really? the face. Really? I don't care that much. I love them. I don't care that much because I know I just know I'm not a morning person. Sometimes I think out. about like how my morning routine would look to other people, even though I don't have one. Sometimes <laughs> if I have like a good morning, I'll be like, oh, I could write this down for like the cut, and I'd be like, I get up at eight, and then I have a shower, and I wash my hair with this shampoo, and then I go into the kitchen <laughs> and I put does. coffee on, and exactly. But you like get in your head where you you specialize it to the point where it feels interesting. Yeah, or I put on my Sunday Riley face oil, and then... yeah, and then I walk to the thing and I put on the coffee to boil, and then I go back and put this on, and then <laughs> I go back and make oats. It's the same thing. <laughs> I at least tried to do something different. Uh, like, yes, and then I'm I like, I need to say it now. And I also put on shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't care about people's morning routines. I think because I know that I'm, I know that I'm not a better person if I get up early and work out. I'm a nightmare. I get yeah, a headache same. by about 3 p.m. and I turn into an ogre. yeah but that's the biggest self-help thing i've realized from reading all these articles about self-help and about how to improve yourself is that the happiest people are the people who just accept themselves as they are and they're also the people you're most attracted to in life are people Mm. who are just completely and utterly themselves they're like irresistible let's strive to be like that 2020 goals Okay, um, we're going to wrap this up now because we've got to get this out to you ASAP. Izzy's got to go edit on the train. She's such a trooper. It's 10pm here in London and it's going to be in your ears in about two hours. This is how much we love you guys. Yeah. So, because of that, please rate, review and subscribe. And when we say that, we actually do mean it, even though it sounds like it's just robotic because... It then helps us be higher in the charts, which means we get advertisers, which means we can keep bringing you bigger and better content. And we are looking into some really cool things for 2020. So we would really appreciate it. And if you shared it on your Instagram, that would be fab. It will make us cry with joy. Thank you very much. Thank you. We love you. Bye. 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 Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.